Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Post Media Off the Post Hockey Podcast. I'm Paul Chapman, joined for a return appearance by Kristen Anderson of uh, Calgary. How are you doing today, Kristen? Hey, I'm good. I'm good. Um, you know, the Flames have been rolling the past few three games at home, so it's, you know, lots of stories and a few coaching firings and hirings, and it's it's there's lots of news happening. It's all happening right now. It's oh, well, that's, that, that's one, of, I mean, one of the reasons we wanted to have you on is you're very good at this, um, but certainly the Flames are not only topical for themselves, but also with some of the stuff they were involved in this week. So just to let people know what we're going to talk about, we'll talk a little bit about the Flames and Oilers, um, the coaching change in Edmonton, uh, the revival of the Battle of Alberta, a um, little bit of one of the Kachuk kids and his role in that. Um, and then, of course, is today when we're recording this, it's U.S. Thanksgiving today. Uh, if we have any U.S. listeners, happy Thanksgiving. But this is the mythical mark, I'm told, that's set by Lou Lamorello, who kind of said that's when you know who is what in the NHL. So we'll talk about that a little bit. And in our final segment, we will uh, we'll talk about all sorts of NFL stuff going on. And I also wanted to talk a little Grey Cup just vis-a-vis the interest uh, versus the CFL and NHL. We know NHL is king, but I wanted Kristen's perspective in that because, of course, the stamps are in. The Grey Cup, yet we have the Flames on a roll. So we'll get started um, with our first topic, Kristen, our first period here. So I wanted to talk about what happened last Saturday first. Was it a revival of the Battle of Alberta? I mean, certainly it was a physical game. Um, my favorite part might have been the chirping going on that I heard about between the media members after the game in the press room. Uh, we know about the angst in Edmonton after drafting Connor McDavid and being gifted this supposed generational player, and yet the results haven't been there. And now we're seeing the Flames doing well. We saw a good old blood and guts battle on, on Saturday. Is the Battle of, of Alberta back? It it seems that way. Um, I've covered the Calgary Flames for six seasons, and it's been a like I, I think I get asked this every single year. Like, is this the year that that, that it's going to be um, that vicious '90s '80s style old school hockey that we saw of a time before? And um, every year it sort of disappoints. But you, you know, a, this last Saturday's game in Calgary against the Edmonton Oilers was pretty much it, it, it was pretty much as as you know old school style as you could get in the new NHL I think that um, there were so many telling things about that game um, in terms of you know the, the type of rivalry that has 
been building between the teams and there's some you know obviously there's been some turnover in personnel uh but it's it's largely the same the same makeup of of players for both sides um and Connor McDavid, you know, of course, is in the centerpiece of of that. And and Matthew Kachuk actually found his way into the spotlight. Surprisingly, I can't believe it. Surprisingly, yeah, <laughs> good one. <laughs> no, he's, you know, um, and it was such an interesting, like, you know, juxtaposition of, you know, I I felt of, of the incident that happened in, at the end of the first period when Zach Cassian tried to fight Matthew Kachuk and eventually just dropped the gloves and just kind of jump, you know, jumped on him or you know, kind of chased him down a little bit and kind of, you know, started things and and and, and Kachuk really, you know, he's a smart guy and he wasn't gonna, he was off for about ten minutes after you know Leon Dreisaitl kind of took him down earlier in the game and um Cassian wanted to fight Kachuk didn't because he didn't want to be out for you know another five minutes or ten minutes or whatever um and and so that raised a lot you know I think there was a lot of um varying opinions on what he should have done in that situation should he have fought you know like there was some mentioning of him turtling um in the hockey world you know he was you know by definition he was kind of on the ground trying to get Cassian to sort of stop um should he have just stood up to Cassian like I it's it's it was such an you know and then obviously the Flames you know finished finished things off and got the win so um it's it, it it was it was a lot of a lot of things. I think it riled, yeah, like you said, it riled up the the media, which is so weird to me because you know we're supposed to be this biased you know entity, um, you know that's just reporting on the news. But it's it's it was very clear that there was <laughs> you know some bias internal bias was there so anyway it was it was exciting it was fun um it, it's been a long time since we've seen a, a fun meaningful like uh, riled up rowdy saturday night game and um i think it was yeah it was it was just awesome and, and hopefully you know i think they meet um three three more times and, and i hope you just hope that they're all they'll bring that intensity you know, I think to get back to the real high levels of Battle of Alberta, you, you, we probably want a playoff series between the two. But you know, there's there's the inescapable geographical pairing of the of uh, the teams both playing in Alberta. Is there a real rivalry between the cities? Do the fans really, you know, have a hatred for the other team? Do those games mean more? I think so. Oh yeah. Like I mean, it, I know for the media, it... clearly it does. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, which I think I, I I don't know I just think that is so bizarre to me because you know you're we're supposed to be a measured you know measured we're supposed to be measured as journalists and so it, it's it's so strange to me that that there's this fan aspect to the media but anyway oh yeah like the the cities compete I mean the 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 Edmonton rink debate you know with when that came in and then Calgary's obviously so far behind with the rink their rink debate and um you know just this just the you know cities in terms of their differences and the similarities and um we you know I know you were, we're going to talk about um touch on the gray cup a little bit later in this podcast but um the 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 Stampeders and Eskimos I mean the Stampeders moved into the Eskimos dressing room and that's probably not sitting well with a lot of Eskimo fans and even the players and the staff I mean I'm sure that's a little bit weird I know that happened in Calgary when they hosted the Grey Cup and Saskatchewan moved in but it yeah it's 
it's it's totally a rivalry and it's great and 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 it's been missing like i feel like the on ice product has been missing you know for for years and 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 there's so much potential there um like Kachuk has really stirred i think he's really stirred things up and he really gets under the skin of lots of players and you know i think I think fans, you know, obviously the Edmonton Oilers just hate the guy, which is exactly what you want. So it's, it's, I think it's all in good fun. I, I, I love the rivalry. It's, um, I think, I, I know the, the team kind of, they're, they're like, I think they like it too. Um, it's, it's, it's really, yeah, I think it's really, it's a, it's a great thing in my opinion for sports. I and mean, it's just part of sports. Like, it's just, it's great. Yeah, I mean, when you have those games that mean more, um, and it's, I think it doesn't go away when you're born with the geographical part of it because the Canucks at various times have had, you know, the Bruins and Blackhawks because of playoff clashes, but then they sort of fade. And people will say they have a rivalry with the Flames, but I'm not sure it's there. You know, there's all this talk about Quebec City eventually getting back in the NHL. I think that'll be the best thing for the Habs. People try to force this this Montreal-Toronto rivalry, but I just don't see it. I think they're going to need to have some playoff heat. Um, unless you're, you know, in your 60s or 70s and were around for the original six when when that really seemed to matter. But Edmonton, Calgary sort of have that natural built-in, I think a little bit like Rangers Islanders is the only other one I can really think of. I know Ducks and, and Kings is a little bit as well, but again, I think that's more of a product of the meeting in the playoffs. Um, one of the things that does help, though, is having, you talk about Kachuk, I mean, go back to the days of whether it was Theo Fleury or, or Tim Hunter, very different players, but players whose job was certainly to get under the skin of the Oilers and try and provoke a reaction. I think that's what Kachuk did. I think that's that's part of his role. But the talk in Vancouver when seeing a guy like Elias Pettersson come along and Brock Besser was always like, well, we've got good players, but how many more do we need? Because if you look at Connor McDavid, that's what you're competing with. And with Calgary, you've got Goudreau as maybe the centerpiece, but you have all these other good young pieces around him. For the Pacific Division, I know the Canucks are a few years behind it, but do you see now with the California teams dropping off a little bit that there is this great wealth of young talent in in uh, the Canadian West that will should be relevant in the playoffs in a year or two? You hope so. I mean, it, it, and it's taken, and granted, it's taken Calgary a few years for these players to mature. Uh, there's five, and of course they brought brought in Elias Lindholm into the fold, who's playing on the top line and and just fit in phenomenally with the with the Flames top line and Johnny Goudreau and Sean Monahan. Yeah, I mean it's been, but it's been a few years. Like um, I think when they drafted Sean Monahan, well, obviously when they traded Ginla, um, kind of just started the ba- ba- the purest sense of the word, a complete rebuild. Um, I think that's when you started seeing the the tide shift, and it's taken a few years and. A few coaches and 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 I think you know there's five players right now with the Flames that have 20 points or more, um, which is kind of which is kind of interesting and, and and telling with the way that that things have all of a sudden just started to click with this group. You certainly hope that. I mean, I, I've heard lots of people say that the Pacific Division is a lot weaker. Like, definitely, it's 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 a pretty weak division this year. I, I don't know if I believe that necessarily. I mean. Um, yeah, I know that the California teams are dropping off a little bit. And there's maybe a, maybe that's a sign of a little more parity. Um, I know Vancouver's coming back down to earth after that hot start. And Elias Pettersson is is the future there. Like, Kristen, no seven losses it. in a row. They're not down oh. to earth. They're through the crust at the moment. But yes, continue. 
<laughs> I know it feels like the sky is falling in Vancouver, but um, trust me, the flames were have been there before. But um, and it could turn around, like it, like like we were saying that U.S. Thanksgiving mark, right? Yeah, is, is sort of that telling mark. But um, yeah, it's you know, you just really for the sake of those rivalries, for the sake of playoffs, you just hope that that things can kind of turn around for all these. It, it, but, but you know what? It's been a long, like the California teams, you look at the runs that they've had and it's been, it's been awesome. You know, you, know, you look at the early, you know, 2011, 2012, um, when, when the Kings were winning the cups um, and then it, it's, it's been a long run. So maybe this is a long time coming in terms of things kind of coming back to full circle. But yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely a lot to like and a lot to be optimistic about I think in the Pacific Division when you look at singularly singularly some some of the young players that are coming up. Yeah, I mean certainly if you were to look at the top, you know, I don't know 20 uh, 25 30 pro- young prospects in hockey, I think when you look at guys like, you know, you'd still you'd still put Goudreau in there, you know, Monahan's still young. Um, obviously, you've got McDavid and, and a collection of young players in Edmonton. And then Vancouver is now again a few years behind, but you're looking at Pedersen, Besser. Uh, they have Quinn Hughes on the way. So I, yes, the Pacific Division to me isn't that strong, but there's if you look three, four years from now, I think that there's a, there's a wealth of, of of talent and ability that if it develops properly, you could be looking at it as one of the stronger divisions in hockey. And it's and it's cyclical, right? Like you look yep. at in the East, you look at Chicago or, or sorry, the Central Division, and, and um, you look at Chicago and the way that they're coming back, kind of like down to you know coming back down to earth. I hate using that expression, but it's true. Um, you know, St. Louis has been so strong for so many years, and you know they fired a coach this year, and Chicago fired a coach, and um, it's it's sort of been a long time coming. It's it's been a long time coming in my mind uh, of these teams sort of and Pittsburgh is another example who's who just has enjoyed such a such an incredible run but um I I can't remember who I was talking to I think it was uh I want to say Pierre Paget like one of um, the Flames sort of former former guys he, he was saying that you know there's a three about a three-year window for teams to win Stanley Cups and and I, I'm starting to believe that um it's yeah, like you have this, you have this small window, uh, and you know, I, I know there's been talk in Edmonton too with with Connor McDavid. Like you don't want to waste sort of his best years either, but um, it's it's just so so short in the NHL to win a championship, and all the teams are so good nowadays, and players are so good, and um, and I mean it's so cliche, but every coach kind of talks about any team can win on any given night and I don't want in Calgary we've certainly seen that so um yeah it's 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 a it's a fine line that that the that um development versus rebuild versus you know going for it so um yeah it's just a it's a mystery kind of all right well we'll leave that there at the end of the first period we'll come back in a moment and we'll talk about uh, this U.S. Thanksgiving mark and the standings and what they're telling us How's it going? I'm Dave Breckenridge. I'm the host of 10.3, Post Media's Canadian News Podcast. In every episode, we take a deeper look at major stories happening in Canada, talking with journalists who are on the ground from newsrooms across the country. So once Off the Post has you up to date with the latest in the hockey world, be sure to subscribe. You can find us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your audio. That's 10.3, Canada's News Covered. And we're back. This is the Post Media Off the Post 
Hockey Podcast. I'm Paul Chapman, joined by Kristen Anderson from Calgary. So, Kristen, as I said, we were recording this on uh, U.S. Thanksgiving, which seems to be a big enough sample size so people understand what it, um, you know, what the league is at this point. Now, we were talking about coaching changes because Edmonton, after that uh, loss in the in the Battle of Alberta, changed their coach, brought in Ken, Ken Hitchcock. We'd already seen moves, L.A., Chicago, and then following that, uh, St. Louis, Mike Yo has uh, has been replaced. So obviously GM's not happy with their lot and where they are and thinking they have enough time to change it around. Um, what have the big surprises been for you early in the season? And do you think we are, like, are we on track now to know which teams are good and which teams basically are already looking at the lottery? I, I think it's, for me, it's still a bit too early. I know there's that... Yeah, that that U.S. Thanksgiving mark. Um, John Shannon from Sportsnet tweeted something yesterday that that was kind of telling that last year, 11 out of the 16 teams that were in a spot um, at U.S. So there were 16. Sorry, there was 11 teams um, out of 16 that were in a spot at U.S. Thanksgiving. And the year before that, there was 13 of 16, 12 of 16, 13 of 16. So there was a little more of a drop-off last year. You know, there was, in the sense that there was a little bit, there was a few more teams that were able to turn it around after that Thanksgiving mark. Um, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, teams that are, you know, kind of hot and, um, riding, riding kind of some some good luck here at the start of the season that couldn't couldn't necessarily make it into the playoffs. Like I, I am a big believer in kind of stretch runs and um, that February kind of trade deadline is a little bit more telling to me. Big surprises. I mean, I think that all the coaching changes are it's huge surprises to me because there was none fired mid season last year, like none. So um, you, you got. And it's kind of unfortunate because you you kind of wish that these these GMs could have made these decisions in the off season and you know read the tea leaves a little bit more clear or you know have a better picture of where they wanted to go with the team in the off season. Edmonton for sure. I think Shirelli that was uh, that was silly of him if he knew that Tom McClellan was on the chopping block or he was under pressure to um, make you know to, to to succeed so quickly to start the season. Yeah, that should have been done in the off season in my mind. It's just not fair. And coaches are hired to be fired. I get it, but it's still it's still a little bit unfair. Um, a little bit surprised to see Hitch kind of come out of retirement. But we were talking to Bill Peters yeah uh, just the other day, and, and I said, like, were you surprised that he came out of retirement? He was like, oh no, 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 no. When he he's done coaching, he's he's going to be you know what, basically six feet under. So. I guess I guess it was didn't surprise surprise some maybe but didn't surprise everybody. Um, it, it's yeah I mean it, the direction that the coaching is going is interesting to me. Like I think there's we're going to see a lot more young coaches um, sort of coming into the mix uh, because of these moves. Uh, that being said, I mean some of the best coaches out there are unemployed right now in, in Joe Quenneville. Um, Mike Yo, I think, is a good coach still. Um, John Stevens was really well liked in in LA, and he certainly wasn't the problem, I think, in LA. Um, then same thing with Todd McClellan. I think he's a, he's a, he's he's an amazing man, an amazing coach, um, and it certainly wasn't his fault that he had the the personnel that he did, like in terms of the players um, in Edmonton. So. 
some I guess that from that aspect, the coaching the coaching carousel, like for it to be moving so fast at the start of the season, um, was really telling to me, and, and kind of disappointing because you wish that they would have done more moves or had the foresight in the off season to sort of see where they wanted to go. But I guess it is what it is. So. Um, and I, I think I mean, I mean the other surprise too is 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 all the teams that you know you thought are that have been so successful like like we were talking about earlier, the Pittsburghs of the world, the Chicago's, and, and how far they've really spiraled down kind of the drain pipe. Um, Philly is another good example. It's it's uh, it's been actually you know a few different surprises to me to start the season for sure. Well, yeah. I mean, if you, again, wondering if this is what team's lot is in life, I think when you looked at the LA Kings, they're a team that since they won their Stanley Cups, you still see guys like Drew Doughty and Anze Kopitar there, and you think, you know, okay, they can still put it together. They still have another run in them, and they were waiting for that. And dead last in the NHL, they they look like they're going to be in complete rebuilding mode now. But beyond that, if you look at St. Louis, uh, you've got Arizona at the bottom there, which they're better than they have been, but no one's expecting anything from the Coyotes. But then the Golden Knights, the Blackhawks, the Oilers are next to that. That's, you know, from the bottom up in the West, you know, there were people making a case for the Oilers making a real jump this year. Obviously Chicago still has some elite talent and Vegas were in the, in the championship last year. And then you're right in the East, you look at Florida, uh, Philadelphia and Pittsburgh. Well, again, Philadelphia is a team that's been so inconsistent over the last few years, but people have been calling for the Flyers to make that jump. But certainly the Panthers were a team that were on people's radar last year. Uh, Penguins, then you've also got the Devils back there. So to me, while you've got surprising teams at the st- at the top of the standings, um, certainly Nashville, Tampa Bay, Toronto, who have the top three spots, uh, you know, those were teams all all selected by a lot of people to compete for the Stanley Cup. It's at the bottom where... You know, the elite teams are there, but the teams that are really bad this year are teams that I think a lot of people thought could compete. So I don't know how this has happened. Yeah. Well, and like, I mean, Ottawa, we knew was going to be kind of terrible and, and they've they've just been spiraling sort of, you know, with all their off ice issues. I think they have a lot more problems behind the scenes than people, you know, the than, than, than just the Uber ride <laughs> that went viral. Um, it, it, yeah, Detroit, uh, I think, you, you know, the Buffalo was a big surprise to me. We, winners of, at, at this point, of the, when we record this podcast, 8-2-0 in their last 10 games and seven wins, seven straight wins. Like, yeah, one point out of the Eastern Conference lead. Which is amazing for that Toronto-Buffalo rivalry, I think, you know, if, that, if that's a thing, um, if we talk about those kinds of things. Um, and, you know, Toronto, we, we knew, would probably be a, a bit of a contender this year. I know they've planned their Stanley Cup route. Um, it, yeah, it, Tampa Bay, of course, is, is in the mix. Um, the, the Rangers have really rebounded since that, you know, kind of a struggling season last year. And, and Washington, Stanley Cup hangover, what? Like, I don't think that that is existing with that team for sure and um the west is interesting too because minnesota's rolling and winnipeg we knew would be good um and like you said nashville is at the top of the west right now um i do think that colorado may come down to earth a little bit um in the in the central division but it's it's been a it's kind of been a mixed bag and 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 we talk about you know how weak the pacific division is but really 
um, up until Calgary sort of separated themselves a couple days ago, they were kind of in the mix with San Jose and Anaheim and, and Vancouver before they lost, you know, however many they've lost in a row. Seven so, with uh, the yeah. Sharks up next. Yeah, it doesn't look good. <laughs> Some surprises, definitely. So I know you're off to Vegas next. Now, we all know that the planets aligned for the Golden Knights last year, and it was a wonderful story. Um, do you see a way out for them? It's, I don't know if there was lightning in a bottle last year. I think it might have, might, might be. Um, they've had some injuries. Um, they've obviously had, had personnel changes as well. Mark andre Fleury is an amazing goaltender, but we saw Malcolm Subban in, in, in Calgary, and Calgary lit him up for five goals in the first period. And, and it was it was Mark andre Fleury's day off, so he wasn't going in, and they kind of had to let Malcolm Subban figure it out. So they don't really have... You, know, you can't really ride Mark Andre Fleury for however many games that you want, like the majority of the season. Um, I don't know. I, I, you know, they could still surprise. I don't necessarily want to count them out, but it, it, they're just not in my mind. They're just not what they were, you know, last year. They didn't kind of have that magic, that like, you know, us against the world mentality magic. I think they maybe still do a little bit, like internally, probably. But, like, it just, to me, things have just gotten that much harder for them. And, you know, partially because of the injuries they suffered and the, losing Nate Schmidt was big uh, to start the season. And um, But goaltending, they just, they don't have a, they don't have a backup, really, that can, that is experienced. I guess you have to get experience to get experience. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't see it. So, one team we haven't touched on yet is, is Montreal. Um you know, they just came through a Western swing, so we've just seen them. They were very impressive here in Vancouver. Uh, this is a team that a lot of people were looking at, uh, you know, obviously issues with the front office. GM's job has been on the line seemingly for the last four or five years. Made some big and pretty bold moves the last year. But people were talking about them as a, as a lottery team this year. Um, Five points off the top of the East. Uh, it's it's going to be a dogfight because it's really, if you look at you know Montreal, the Rangers, uh, the Capitals, Hurricanes, Islanders, they're all sort of in that mix for that the bottom of the playoff spot, but they're not that far off the top. What do you think of the Canadians and where are they going this season? The fact that Carey Price came out the other day and openly admitted his confidence issues, I think that's a... That's a huge thing for me, um, for for a goaltender. Just you know, based on what what's been happening in Calgary with Mike Smith, there's been some you know challenges. He's he's kind of experienced some challenges, and David Riddick has stepped in um, as as the number one in Calgary. But um, it, it's it's so surprising to me that Carey Price struggled the way he has, like really deeply mentally struggled. Um, I don't know if that's you know, you can't just think that that's going to go away um, over a couple couple games. Maybe, maybe it will. Maybe maybe that's you know, players always talk about playing out of uh, confidence issues and playing out of kind of their own heads. Um, it's it, you know, when they came to Calgary, um, they were pretty opportunistic. Um, Mike Smith let in some pretty bad goals, but um, hey, they Mac. I think I think uh, Max Domi his is really like ignited that dressing room. Um, he's a pretty, like a pretty, he was very dynamic, obviously, but um, it's a, it's kind of like Matthew Kachuk. Like he's a pretty, um, he can kind of change the, 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 the way of the game kind of with, with a shift. So 
I wouldn't count them out. Like I, I know, and I know obviously GM's jobs on the line. Um, you know, they were kind of getting criticized for the team that they assembled and some of the moves that they've made. I, I wouldn't count them out though. I mean, they, they, they work hard. Um, they're really fast. My goodness, they're fast. And once they get Paul Byron back, um, it's, you know, they're, they, they're just going to have that added element again. Brendan Gallagher. Um, I, I wouldn't count well, them out. Don't forget out, Shea Weber. <laughs> you know, I mean, this, is, right. this is a guy who's missed the whole start of the season and, and, uh, they've named him captain and, and when he comes back, he, or, you know, I think he's on the verge He's going to make a huge difference, but Domi is a guy. I'm glad you brought him up because, you know, when that trade was made, obviously he had promise coming out of junior, picked high by Arizona, but sort of lost down there. And he does yeah. seem to have been not only like personally revived; he's been a spark for that team. Oh yeah, and and you you can't count that out. And he's, I think he's still such an elite player with an elite shot. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, he wants to win too. He wants to win bad, so. I wouldn't. I wouldn't sleep on them just yet. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, we'll leave the second period there. We'll come back in a moment with the third period where we'll, we'll talk about some general stuff around the uh, that's going on around the NHL, and also we'll talk a little bit about uh, the Grey Cup coming up this weekend. How's it going? I'm Dave Breckenridge. I'm the host of Ten Three Post Media's Canadian News Podcast. In every episode, we take a deeper look at major stories happening in Canada, talking with journalists who are on the ground from newsrooms across the country. So once Off the Post has you up to date with the latest in the hockey world, be sure to subscribe. You can find us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your audio. That's 10-3, Canada's news covered. Welcome back to the Post Media Off the Post Hockey Podcast. Paul Chapman with Kristen Anderson. Kristen, um, before we get into sort of the national consciousness around the Grey Cup and, and what place it does take in our minds and hearts vis-a-vis hockey. Uh, I, there was one incident this week, you know, Miko Rantanen leading the NHL in points, um, got a fine for diving. Now, it's only a $2,000 fine. So uh, honestly, that's, it literally is pocket change for any any NHL player. But is this, how do you see the state of this in, in the NHL? I, I don't want to say it's getting worse, but whether it's penalties or public embarrassment, it doesn't seem to be deterring people. And Look, I'm a big soccer guy as well, uh, and I and I get embarrassed by some of the flopping and embellishment that goes on in that sport. But that's been going on in hockey now for well, probably forever. But I think it's been taken advantage of and is more widely ac- accepted, shall we say, in the last uh, ten years. Do you think diving's an issue in the NHL? That's a that's a really good question. I I I, I mean. I think that it's a it's kind of a cultural maybe a cultural thing. I don't know if it's like a um, just a idiosyncrasies of the sport. Like I, I I mean I think that it was probably frowned upon by a certain generation of players for for many many years, or you know seen as like um, as cheap or as cheating the game a little bit. Um, I, I you know when. They t- we, we, last time I did this podcast, we were talking about how they're, you know, clamping down on injuries and, you know, seeing uh, their stars injured. And, and, you know, maybe this, you know, is a way, obviously, this is a way of, like, by fining guys and by um, penalizing guys, this is a way of trying to get those types of injuries out of the game. But it just, you're right, it just doesn't seem to be resonating. I think, you know, obviously, you know, money is the, the $2,000 or however much they're they're getting fined is chump change. 
it's yeah i mean i do see it as a as a little bit of a ever pressing problem how do you solve that though is is the other thing it's it's like a um you know, I, I I don't even know how you would solve it, but um, it's it's I, I do definitely see it. It's becoming more predominant. You're seeing more and more of of that kind of thing. Um, it's selling selling penalties like guys guys are creating art artwork of selling their penalties. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I head snapping Calgary. back of you know spread eagle on the ice, just totally embellishment. But I mean, part of that oh, can be. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're getting hacked and slashed and pulled back and the refs aren't calling it, it's sort of like, well, okay, you're not calling it and it's going on. I'm going to have to totally exaggerate what's happening on to really make sure that you see that I'm being, you know, illegally dealt with by a defender. Whether that's fair or not, I don't know. But it, to me, it almost speaks to the role that we started off with. When you're looking at guys like Brady Kachuk, we've seen what Brad Marchand can do on the ice and be successful and fans can hate it. I mean, we saw a lovely clip this week of Marshawn Beacon at the uh, the fans of the penalty box asking them how much they paid just to watch him. It's yeah. it, you, you can hate these guys, but they're playing a role trying to get an advantage. And whether that's Absolutely. diving or turtling or goading someone into taking a penalty, it's all trying to get an advantage, is it not? Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and, and the refs are smart. Like, the refs know what guys are doing like it's not like they they can like pull a fast one and i know donnie goudreau often will will try to sell penalties and he and you know what he does i mean he's a smaller player obviously so he does get, take a take a beating um he has taken a beating but he really um you know often like looks at the ref for the calls and and i don't know if that that resonates with them but um yeah i mean it's if if guys are kind of that that's the way that the game is trending well then you, of course you have to sort of have to tr- trend with the game so um i i don't like it um i i, I but 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 it's emotion like i guess it's 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 part of part of the emotion of the sport as well too and um it's it's kind of and, and i know matthew Kachuk. it's a little bit sometimes the boy that cried wolf like a lot of the time with his the way that he draws penalties a little bit, but it, but you know what, it works sometimes. Um, the refs are catching on, so he's not as getting as many calls as he used to. But um, it's, you know, you look at a player like Connor McDavid and who's so strong on the puck um, that when he gets taken down or like illegally taken down, like you know that, you know that that's probably is a penalty. So I, I just think like it's it's cheating the game a little bit. I if that's if that if I can say that like it's it's just not it's not back to what you know hockey is in its purest form. Like it just I, I don't know. I just I, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Yeah, I think at the end of the day though, if you get a two thousand dollar fine or uh, you know, have to take a little bit of shame, but you win a power play that gets you an extra win, then maybe it's worth it. Um, I did want to talk to you about before we finish up on the the Grey Cup. So Calgary and Ottawa, obviously in the Grey Cup, um, I can speak to what happens here in Vancouver. The numbers between CFL and NFL that we see for online readership is like you can't even put them in the same universe. We know we, this is not rocket science. We know that hockey is king in Canada. But the, the Great Cup used to be, as they would call it, the national drunk. And there's this wonderful lore about, you know, the, the, the stamps horse going through the hotel. And uh, what is the situation in Calgary? Is there is there more excitement over the Flames winning streak here uh, and winning against Edmonton last week in such a great game? Or are people going to be into the Great Cup? 
It's tough to say. I, I think the fact that the Flames or the Stamps have been in the Grey Cup for, you know, however many years, the, the Grey Cup final, um, I think, and then, of course, lost the last two. Uh, it, it's, I, I think maybe there's some skepticism, maybe a little bit, um, among fan, the fan base here. I the, I know that the, um, you know, the last two games, well, the last two games of the season in, in, in Calgary, um, they were, they were played on nice days. So they got a, some really good, you know, I think a really good fan base that came out. Uh, the West final was really well attended. I think well received. Um, and then of course the, the whole Canadian controversy w- w- with Dave Dickinson. Oh yeah. Was, F and Canadians. <laughs> yeah. Which I think is just stupid. Like I, I just hate that. Like, come on. Like this, this league is so unscripted and wonderful and like, it's not the NFL and, um, it, and have live mics on and there's things that go wrong and it's great. Um, I just, if you're, if you're going to take away that and, and find him, Dave Dickinson for his comments, which you know, you're just going to take away from the personality of the game. But anyway, that, I, I digress. I, in terms of the fan base, I'm not sure. I, I really, I think it maybe bodes well for the Stampeders that um, um, the Flames are out of town. They play Vegas and and uh, Phoenix, or sorry, the the Arizona Coyotes on Sunday. So, um, you know, that maybe necessarily doesn't conflict. Um, it, it's it. It, it's huge. I, I, I grew up a, a Stampeders fan. I went to games with my dad growing up. I, I mean, I I think I love the CFL. I I, lo- I covered it for a, a number of years, and um, it, it and the fact that also the the Grey Cup is in Edmonton, so it's a lot you know closer for people if they wanted to attend and go to games. And I think there is a lot of people that are going to go up, but I think in general the the CFL just doesn't necessarily do itself any favors i know they try to kind of draw fans in but um you know the, the schedule is so strange the fact that it, the season goes on so long you know there could be you know, you could probably shorten it up a little bit more so it's you know played in nicer weather um it doesn't compete with with the with the hockey season um it's it, it, and it's tough to say, uh, but I do think a lot of people are going to be watching watching the Grey Cup and and seeing if the Stampeders can do this. But I tell you what, if they if they lose this Grey Cup <laughs> final, oh man, it's going to be. And they've had good teams. They've they've had such good teams, and it's you know they've been the class of the CFL for a number of years. They so, have been, um, but but honestly, I when I and I I love the CFL too. I mean, I covered I covered it way back before I got into the editor end of things, but. When I look around, not from the pictures that I'm seeing from the Grey Cup, all the fans are so old. Like if I in Vancouver, while there is a core of support for the Lions, I just know that you know every nine year old to twenty five year old, they're all so much more into the Canucks than they are the CFL. And I think I don't want to say we're at a tipping point. I don't know if it's the same in Calgary. Like you know, you're a lot younger than I am. Do you, are are younger people still in tune with with the stamps, or is it hockey and NFL and NBA and everything else? I I think you're right. I think they're losing a generation. They're losing. A, a, they're totally not appealing to a generation of fans. But I, I know they tried to do some things this year with um, kind of. I know they had a reporter reporting from like all the uh, bars and the stands kind of thing, which I think is so ridiculous. But um, try to like showcase the fun side of this TFL a little bit. But 
I, 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 we, I get into lots of conversations about what the CFL could do um, to improve its brand and to to attract a, a younger generation. Um, and it, it, the people's attention spans are just so different. I guess, uh, especially of a certain generation. I think of you know the millennials, and um, I'm kind of on the cusp of being a, millenni- a, a millennial. Like I'm kind of on the older side of it. Um, it's yeah i mean I, I you're right i think they are they are missing a totally different they're they're missing out on a on a totally different generation in i know locally in calgary um they have a lot of family days they have they try to the, the, the tailgating they try to make a little bit more family friendly and um they they try to bring uh, a younger generation in but um i think they just could be doing so much more like they just they really have to start you're right because they're 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 losing you know a generation the the, the an older generation of fans is not going to be there for you know for very much longer unfortunately so they have to start appealing to the younger younger crowd maybe they need to get the uh, you know the stamps and and the uh, the Eskimos broadcast teams getting them into a little bit of a fight a brawl and, and ignite interest that way I know there have been times <laughs> many people wanted to take a poke at Brian Hall but uh, I guess he does the Oilers as well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Anything else that's uh, that's caught your attention, Kristen, around the NHL? Any rumors that you've heard of? Any any trades, players on the block, teams that are maybe looking to get in on some movement now that we're starting to see some settling of teams know where they are? You know what? I, I feel like I've been in a little bit of a bubble this last week just with the Flames being at home for four games. Um, and, and, of course, the, the talk had been centering around um, – Mike Smith and um, you know him and his number one status. Um, it's it's a. I think we 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 can go back to the the coaching changes and how that will have an effect, like a lasting effect for this season at least. Like what what we can expect from them is going to be interesting to watch. Um, I, we can definitely go back, I think, to what we talked about earlier in terms of the um, some of the surprising surprises of the season. Like, can they hang on, or will they come back down to earth? Like, it, there's going to be nothing. I think no no similar storyline compared to what the Vegas Golden Knights did last year and um, Ovechkin winning the cup. But I do think there's going to be some incredible surprises just with the way that, that the parody has been in, in the NHL this year. Um, I do, I, I am interested to see how the Vancouver Canucks, if they respond, if they, if they can kind of get out of this funk, but I think it's, They've had some pretty tough losses, so I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, you know what? I'm when I look at the NHL now, it's it's interesting. You brought up the, your your conversation with uh, Pierre Page and about a three year window. I look at some of these teams that are maybe, you know, feel that they have to make a move now. Teams like Boston, you know, San Jose already made a big move for Carlson, and it it certainly hasn't borne fruit yet. I think you have to be patient with that. Um, but you know, certainly Doug Wilson is no no stranger when it comes to big trades. I look at some of these teams. Uh, maybe even a Tampa Bay wondering, is there something out there that can really put us over the top to go after it this year? Um, because when your window is is so short and you feel you have a shot at it, I think there's a temptation to maybe mortgage yourself a little bit. And, and that's what I'm going to be interested in this next part of the season is to see which GMs are going to be bold enough to maybe make a move and give up some futures, give up some prospects for a piece that they feel kind of immediately help. I mean, if you're a team like the LA Kings, I think you're all set on the draft now. So, yeah. you know, I don't think they'd be giving away a Drew Doughty, but 
there may be pieces there that they're looking to give up. You mentioned the Flames and Mike Smith. I wonder if the Flames are in the market for a goalie. So I, I just wonder if the trade market's going to heat up a little more this year with it being, you know, kind of wide open. There's a lot of teams that you can say have a good shot at it right now. And and there's a lot of teams that that I think look at themselves internally and think they're they're fine. Like to to, to hear Peter Shirelli say the other day, they asked if if they asked that exact question to him in the when he uh, let go of Tom McClellan and had hired Ken Hitchcock. They asked him about the team scope and and are they going to be adding pieces? And he says, "No, well they're 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 fine." And I don't think that that team is fine. <laughs> um, I know they, they dealt away Ryan Strom already, which is kind of a major trade. I think you can consider that a major trade to start the season with Ryan Strom for Ryan Spooner. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think that you have a small window and it's getting smaller and smaller kind of every year. And um, there's teams that have had an empty cupboard for a long time, like the LA Kings and the Chicago Blackhawks and the um, Pittsburgh Penguins and in their system, they've had a pretty empty cupboard. So you're, you're, there's teams going to be looking at the draft, but um, yeah, there's always those big piece, big picture moves mid season and, you know, it's it's interesting because I thought the Eric Carlson trade was going to take the San Jose Sharks over the edge, and that trade has not panned out at all there. Um, Carlson was playing on the third pairing when the Flames were in, in San Jose the other night, and um, he just doesn't look. He looks like a shell of himself. So it, that's the other thing, too, is, is those odd, big off-season moves. In Calgary, you know, you speak specifically on James Neal. He had three three shifts in the third period against um, last night against the the visiting Winnipeg Jets. Three shifts. He's going to be in Calgary for four more years. So, yeah. um, we got Louis Erickson here in either. Vancouver. Yeah. Another four exactly. years of Louis Erickson, so uh, $6 million. <laughs> you make those moves. If they don't pan out, you're saddled with the, with the, the remnants. So. And teams are maybe more aware of that. You know, maybe more, maybe less willing to go for it like that, or um, maybe it's more players that they've sort of been targeting for a number of years. But um, yeah, I think I think maybe teams are starting to become more aware of those, those big, heavy contracts that can just be an anchor, yeah. just be a total anchor. All right, Kristen, well, I know you've got to get off to Las Vegas, so thank you for joining us. We'll have you back on again soon. For everyone else, thank you for listening. This is the Off the Post Post Media Hockey Podcast. Please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating, and we will back again to talk what's going on around the league next week. 